Thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and resources, please check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com. You can also search One Cause Church on Facebook and on Twitter. God bless you. When you get around a few people, especially when there's food involved, you get loosened up a little bit and uh, enjoy one another's company. So uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's really the strength in our relationships at One Cause Church is found in those small groups. It's, it's really great. It's a great dynamic, too, and different from what we do here because you get to get involved in what the discussion is, and it helps train you to become a greater minister of the Word of God. And uh, it's just, it's really, there's a lot of great things that happen in small group, not only building relationships, but it's training ground as well for you to begin to apply what you learn here and uh, kind of test the waters. It's good stuff. Anybody like growing up and maturing? Really? I don't, but I have to anyway. I mean, I, I don't particularly like it, but got married and had to found out I had to grow up real quick, you know. <laughs> all right, everybody all right out there? It's good to see all of you. My goodness, it's good to see all of you. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Now, we've started this month talking about the believer's authority, and I'm here to remind you, as a child of God, that you have authority. You have authority. And not only do you have authority, but it's not enough to just know you have it, but to use it as a whole other dynamic in your Christian walk. Is Is that me making that noise? Oh, forgive me. Okay, I'll try not to do that again. But, uh, but using it is, is altogether different. And there are lots of Christians out there who have authority who just aren't exercising that authority. Now, when you see someone who's in law enforcement, a police officer, now, <clears throat> he carries with him a badge and a gun, right? Now, that badge gives him the authority to do what he does. But that, bat, that gun gives him the power to back up his authority. Okay? Sometimes the badge isn't enough for people, so they have to show them the power that backs the badge. So in this thing that we have called the authority of the believer, God has given us both authority and power. All right, the authority is completely based and immersed in the name of Jesus. And the power, hallelujah, is the power of the Holy Spirit that has been poured out upon the earth. And so, not only do you have the position, but you also have the capability along with the position. And tonight, what we're going to walk through is what a life in Christ. I love the book of Ephesians, especially the first couple of chapters, where it continually says the phrase, in Him or in Christ. And when it does that, it gives a benefit right after that. It's really good. So we're going to look at that, because if you're going to exercise the authority, you're going to have to first know where the authority comes from, who you are, what that looks like, so that you can stand firm in exercising or expressing the authority that God's given you. Is this all right? Amen. Amen. So um, we uh, have no real authority outside of Christ. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do what? 
Nothing. So he has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. You remember when he said that? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And in him, there is every advantage to the life he came to give you and I. Now, we're going to walk through this Ephesians 1 tonight and see what we are and see what we have and see where we are in Christ. And before we can properly exercise our God-given authority, we must first understand this foundation. Paul the Apostle, verse 1 of Ephesians 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, and so I'm just going to say to the saints who are in McKinney, and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God. Now notice what it says, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful, where? In Christ Jesus. This is what you get. The first benefit of a life in Christ is grace and peace multiplied to you. Not a one-time event. Now, this word grace is a great word. Now, we talk about grace being the unearned, undeserved, and unmerited favor of God, which it is. This is the Greek word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, is where we get the word charisma. But it means the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life. The divine influence on the heart. Remember we talked about some time ago about how he, God influences us by His Spirit. He never forces us to do anything because He's given us His free will, but He influences us. When we become His, He, he inf- Let's go ahead and change out mics. That'll be a lot less distracting. All right, let's try this one. Okay, so it means that the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life. I I like this. It means also acceptable, benefit, gift, grace, joy, liberality, pleasure, delight, that which affords joy, sweetness, charm. This is is what comes to those who are in Christ. Uh, Of the merciful kindness by which God, exerting His holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise exercise of the Christian virtues. That's a powerful definition of grace, bounty, benefits. And then it says grace and peace be multiplied to you. The word peace, we've talked about this word. It's the word erene. Everybody say erene. You got to roll the R like the Hispanics. Erene. All right? And it means By implication, listen to this, the first word out of it, prosperity. One, peace, quietness, rest, set at one again. A state of national tranquility, exemption from the rage and havoc of war. Wow a state of national tranquility. What that tells us is this peace, what Christ brought into us, this is the same peace, this word erain is also the same word used in Romans chapter 5 that says, uh, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? That word peace means the absence of the rage and havoc of war, which means the war between heaven and earth that was caused by man's sin that separate us from God, that war, that 
brought God's anger against us now was over because Christ took all of God's anger upon himself. And so it's actually impossible now, I want you to get this tonight, it's actually impossible for God to be angry with you. He made it impossible for himself to be angry because he put all of his wrath on Jesus. And how unjust would it be if he just decided to go ahead and be angry with you too? No, it's not. That's not how it works. He put it all on Jesus. And the Bible says it pleased him to bruise him. It pleased God to do that so that he could look at you through eyes of grace today. No longer eyes of anger. So when you get up tomorrow morning, I'm going to remind you, God's not going to be angry with you. You get up tomorrow morning and you, you wake up with a funky attitude, you yell at your wife or you, you know, say some colorful words, God's not going to be angry with you. Amen. Now, you might get angry with yourself, and I think that's all right. God's not going to be angry with you. Now, there is something called grieving the Holy Spirit. Boy, I don't know. I don't know which is worse, having him angry at me or grieved at me. I can remember times when, when my father was disciplining me. You know, with a board. And he, I can remember times when he would say, when he would break down and cry. There were just times that happened, and he would show, on his face I could see the disappointment. I would much rather have just had the beating than to see that look on his face. You know? And, Dad, don't cry. Just whip me, please. I mean, tear me up. Just please don't cry. I don't want to see one tear coming from your eyes. That's miserable when you get the grief and the beating, though, too, at the same time. That's double bad. But I don't, we don't want to grieve our Heavenly Father. See, here's the thing. When we do those kinds of things, well, after all he's done for us, after all, I mean, he showed us all of his anger's on Jesus. Now he looks at us and gives us this grace. What, what, what can we give him? What can we give him? Our lives. What do we owe him? Our lives. So we owe God a good attitude. We owe God a, a good conversation. We owe God good behavior. Amen. It's, it's, it's the least that we can do in return to him. It's the least we can do. Amen. So this is the, the, the exemption from rage and havoc of war, peace between individuals, harmony, accord, security, safety, uh, Prosperity here as well. Isn't that interesting? Prosperity is in grace. Prosperity is in peace as well. Now, that's the first benefit we get for being in Christ right off the bat. Isn't that great? Now, number th- uh, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Everybody say has blessed. Okay? Now, listen to me. You're going to have to understand this. If you're going to exercise the authority that's been given to you, you have to understand that you are already blessed. So that way, you don't live your life in this subculture over here outside of how the kingdom of God works and, and try to act like you're doing things, you're earning points so that to get God to bless you. No, you have to understand God already blessed you. He already did. He has blessed us. Say that. He has blessed me. It's done. So you're not having to earn His blessing now. Hallelujah. See, this is important for all of us to see where we are, what Christ, what he's, what, what level he's elevated us to in him. 
Blessed be the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Where? In the heavenly places in Christ. Well, that sounds really nice, Pastor Eric, that there's spiritual blessings in heavenly places, but how's that going to help me in the physical here on the earth? I'm glad you asked that question. Because everything that we see right now came out of what wasn't seen. This invisible God spoke invisible words and material, physical things appeared. Isn't that extraordinary? He said, light be, bam, there it was. Then he began to frame the whole world with words. So all this physical world is completely held together with an invisible force. Called the Word of God from the mouth of the invisible God. So if you're blessed with every spiritual blessing, the unseen things, in the unseen places, the heavenly places, then it only stands to reason, ladies and gentlemen, that you are blessed with every physical blessing on earth. Now, that was worth coming to church for right there. Pass that offering bucket one more time. Let's. <laughs> so the second benefit of a life in Christ, that we must understand concerning our authority, our place, our position in Him, is that we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So that's why we can pray like Jesus taught His disciples. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Where? How? As it is in heaven, right? Because we know that we have all of heaven's blessing so that we ha can have all of heaven's blessing right here on earth. But ladies and gentlemen, notice that Jesus taught us to declare that to happen. That's called exercising your authority. You can't just, you can't just stand there and hope it all works out. You have to open your mouth. Why? Because you are created in the very image of the living God. When God wanted something, he spoke it into existence. You being created in his likeness, in his image, his same character traits, his same way, hallelujah, that you speak and things happen. This isn't rocket science. This is, this is living in Christ. Amen. You've been born all over again. You're a new creation today. So you live in this new reality. Hallelujah. Verse 4, just as he chose us, where? In him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Now, this third benefit to being in Him is that we are holy and blameless. See, the interesting thing about Christianity that separates it from all the other religions of the world is that Christ took the blame for what we did. That's what Christianity is in a nutshell. Jesus took the blame for what you did. That's powerful. God actually blamed Jesus for what you did. Let's sit on that one for just a second. God blamed Jesus for what you did. Mm -mm -mm. So that you could be holy and without blame. Now, the moment these kinds of thoughts come to you, you think about, well, I'm out of that equation because I know what I've done. No, you're not out of that equation. Child of God, you are perfectly in that equation because your relationship with God is not based on this flesh. You're related to him 
in the Spirit. And can I remind you again today, as a matter of fact, let's go over to 1 John for just a moment. I didn't have this in my notes, but I think it'll, it'll probably link some things together here, make some things clear for you. 1 John chapter 1, Michael, and go to verse, let's start in 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, what encourages me about this, this chapter, uh, these verses here, is that there's always forgiveness and that it's just for God to forgive you. You would think it would be merciful for God to forgive you, but he says it's just to forgive you. It's just because the price has been paid. The judgment has been, has been taken. Mm. So Jesus took the judgment, so it is just then to forgive you. It's the right thing for God to do. Okay? Cleanse from all unrighteousness. Now, this is another thing that encourages me about this is that this is John talking. Now, this is the man who was Jesus' closest friend on planet Earth. Now, Jesus had all kinds of levels of relationships while he walked the earth. There, were, there, were, there, was this, there was this crowd dynamic that he had, but then there were these 500 that actually witnessed him after his, he was resurrected. There were these 70 disciples that he sent out. Do you remember that? And then he had his 12, right? Then he had his top three, Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John got to see something miraculous. Actually, a couple of different things. Once, they all got to see Jesus glorified. They all got to see Moses, Elijah, and Jesus together. I can't even imagine what that must have looked like. But then they also got to all go in this room and see this girl get raised from the dead. Only Peter, James, and John got to go. And so they got to see special events. But then John, as Jesus is hanging on that cross, everyone else, all the other disciples have fled. And one guy, one guy is still there. And John's risking his neck to be there. He's standing there at the foot of Jesus' cross, and there next to Jesus' mother Mary. And Jesus looks at him and says, Man, behold your mother. Son, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. And at that moment, in Jesus' dying breath, he laid the care of his mother over onto his friend John. And from that day, the Bible says, John took Mary to his home. What a great friendship. And this is John writing here, and he says, If we say we have no sin, we lie, the truth is not in us. Now, Paul said it like this in Romans chapter 7. He's talking about being in this flesh. He says, I find in a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. Evil's there. He says, no, it's not I that's doing it. It's actually the sin that dwells in me, that is, in this flesh. So we have to understand that this flesh has to be brought under control. Because it has one, it has one speed, right? Get all I can as much as I can get, right? And so you have to control its appetites. Because it'll do anything. It'll <laughs> just do anything. Hmm? If, if, if you allow it. So he says, I find this. So, so John is speaking to us. He said, if we, if, so he says, if we, if, we, if we sin, he's faithful and just. Now look, let's look at 1 John chapter 3. Let's go two, two chapters over. 
And let's look around verse 8 there, I think, Michael. 1 John 3, 8. Is this helping you tonight? Okay, I, I know this isn't my normal preaching, but I want to just teach you something tonight. Uh, three, he who sins is of the devil. Oh, wow, that's kind of a stark difference from two chapters ago, isn't it? He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Let's go next. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Ew. Now, let me ask you, a, let's just get honest here tonight. Anybody here born of God? Has any of you sinned since you've been born of God? Hmm? What did I get? Re- oh, what was I really saved, Pastor Eric? Calm down. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin. Oh, uh, John, have you met Eric Holler? He <laughs> Because? He has been born of God. Now, we have to understand something here about the Bible. Remember how Hebrews chapter 4 says, For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, that is his flesh, so it makes distinction between soul, spirit, and the flesh. And between chapter 1 and chapter 3, there's a distinction being made. That which is born of God. Now, this right here, right here, this beautiful, beautiful woman. This right here, as beautiful as she is. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. She'll get me later. As pretty as she is. This right here, right here, is not born of God. This is born of Karen Cook. But her spirit is born of God. Now, what the Bible teaches us about our spirit man, it can't sin. If it's born of God, it cannot sin. So that means it's unaffected by sin. So all of the effect then comes on the flesh. That's why the Bible says he who sows to the flesh reaps corruption. That is dead body. He's not talking about your spirit. He's talking about your flesh. Remember when Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 5, the man who was overtaken with sin because he was sleeping with his stepmom? Nasty. Right? Read the Bible. There's so many funky things in there. I tell you what. It's, it's a great Bible. It's a great book. But he's dealing with this because the problem was, the problem in the church was this man sleeping with his stepmother, and the church, is, the church is rallying behind this couple. They're going, what a cute couple. So Paul says, no, 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 no. When you're gathered together, a little leaven leavens a whole lump. If you accept this, then you're going to accept anything before long, and all of you are going to be unholy living. And he says, you have to remove this. Now, this is not talking about a man who is repentant. This is talking about a man who is gloating in his sin. And at that moment, he tells him, you have to make a decision. He has to be out of there because he's going to affect all of you. And he says, when you're gathered together with my spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus, turn him over to the devil for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of judgment. 
Now, now, if I'm looking at this, I'm going, there ain't no way that guy's going to heaven, but not according to my, my apostle. Now, what the problem is, is this guy's going to live a, a, die an early death as a result of his sin. Because he's going to be no good to the kingdom of God, living the way he is. Turn him over to the devil for the destruction. Because God doesn't destroy the flesh. Isn't that interesting? Jesus came to give life and that more abundantly. He said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So you have to actually turn someone over to the devil so that he can destroy them because God doesn't do that. God gives life so that his spirit can go on to heaven. Okay, all right, so let's go on. I just wanted to just talk about that. It's important that we understand the place that we've been brought in the spirit in the kingdom of God. All right, your spirit cannot sin. It's impossible. That's what the word of God has taught us, right? Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame. See, that's where you're holy and without blame. Because you don't identify with the flesh, you identify with the spirit. You identify with the inner man. You identify with Christ in me, the hope of glory. Remember we talked about the other day that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. Hallelujah. So, holy and without blame. So, that means that you had nothing to do with it. That means you had nothing. If it was in the Spirit, you, could, you had nothing to do with it. Only God can revive a spirit. Only God can make a, a spirit that is tra- uh, dead in its trespasses alive unto God. And, and, and when that happened, then He deemed you holy and blameless. That's why we can come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need because we have a whole new position with God. He doesn't expect you to come groveling. He expects you to come boldly. Amen. Hallelujah. That is our obligation. This is a life lived in Christ. And see, when you get this mentality, ladies and gentlemen, sin will no longer be a struggle in your life. I'm telling you, if you'll find out who you really are, then you will not identify by what you do or don't do, but by what Jesus has done in you. That way, sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under the law. You're not trying to do the do's and don'ts where sin continues to have strength over your life. But you're under grace. That's, why, that's how sin doesn't have dominion over you. Because you stay in grace. Mm. How the church has injured itself for so many years by pounding the do's and don'ts at people And running them off from the house of God rather than making this a place of security and safety. Making people believe that their relationship is based upon what they do and don't do rather than what Jesus did and letting him work out everything else. We've got to learn to trust the Holy Spirit that he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows how to deal with every person. Are you hearing me? Amen. I have to remind myself of, of that as your pastor from time to time. Because if I got in the flesh, I, I could have so much fun up here making you feel so bad about your life. It would satisfy my flesh from time to time, but I wouldn't be speaking truth to you. I'd only be hurting you. I'd only be empowering you to sin. 1 Corinthians 15 says that the law is the strength of sin. The right now power to act 
Mm, isn't that something? Okay, let's go. Man, I got way off. Forgive me. Verse 4. Just now, nah, there's no way we'll get through all this tonight. Uh, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him. The, the third benefit of life in Christ is we're holy and blameless. Now, verse 5. Having predestined us. Oh, this is so good. Oh, my God, what a relationship we have with him. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, this doesn't say in Christ, but it does say by Christ, and I think you could probably say in Christ as well and not be too far off. (laughs) The fourth benefit to a life in Christ is that we can't be disowned. He has adopted us. I have three wonderful kids. I love these kids. But if I ever chose to disown them, I could legally do that. Had I adopted one of my children, it's impossible for me to disown the adopted child. And he has adopted us into his family. He's put himself in such a position that he's not willing to reverse any of this. I talked to you about this some months ago, Christian, believer in God, child of God. You're going to heaven whether you like it or not. (laughs) I like to say that it messes with people's minds. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made. Now, that's a, that's a continuation of verse 5. So, in Christ, then, there's only acceptance. He's made us accepted. Isn't that good? Is, that, is this blessing you? In him, we have redemption through his blood. I mean, how many depths of this grace and acceptance and love do we get from him? In him, we have redemption Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. So now, this fifth benefit is redemption and forgiveness. Redemption means that he bought you again. I need three people right quick. Three humans. Yeah, Kyle, come on up here. Adam, Satan, Jesus. (laughs) You just happen to be the guy standing in the middle. Now, just because you're wearing a cross, devil, don't mean you're saved. Uh In the beginning, God created Adam in his image, right? And what did he tell Adam? He told him to subdue the earth, have dominion, multiply, be fruitful and multiply. Basically, he said, have babies, man. And they did, man. Didn't you? Adam. He has given Adam all of the authority at this point. Turned it all over. He has leased the earth. To Adam. Adam's in charge. 
okay? And then when he got married, all the trouble hit. At least according to him, that's what happened. If you remember the day that God went looking for him in the garden and he found them with those fig leaves sewed on them, what Adam do? The woman that you gave me. First thing, man, just pointed right to his wife. Just threw her right under the bus. Didn't try to protect her or anything. No, it's her fault, God. She did it. But you know what? Remember we talked about that? God didn't blame Eve, did he? He put the sole responsibility on the man by one man's sin, disobedience. Death, by his disobedience, death came to all of us. Because this guy, through Eve, her deception, and her turning to Adam, him eating also, at that moment, Adam took his keys that he had to the, wor- to the world, and he handed them over to him. And at that moment, everything changed. I mean, the world began to go dark, and it, went, it declined fast. The first sin ever mentioned in the Bible is a couple of people stealing a piece of fruit. The next sin is a brother killing his own brother. That's how exponential sin is. And over the course of time, this happened. And the devil had free reign. He had the authority. Man gave it to him that God had given man. So the devil had all this authority. And he was doing all kinds. As a matter of fact, there's an interesting story in the Scripture that talks about after Samuel the prophet had died, and you remember that Saul was needing some wisdom and guidance. He was in the battle. So he went to this witch at a place called Endor, the witch at Endor. Sounds like a movie you'd rent, doesn't it? And he went to this witch, and she did this seance, and she had this flame, and she, she did this little seance, and up from the grave uh, came Samuel, and he spoke to Saul. Did you guys know the stories in the Bible? Funky, isn't it? And he says, what have you done? What have you done? And Saul said, I need some help. Well, it didn't matter. He said, because you've done this, you and your son are going to die. And they did. They died in battle. But here's the thing. I always wondered, how in the world could a witch call a prophet of God up from the grave? Because the devil still had the authority. Man had given it to him. So he could just do whatever. Isn't that interesting? And then... We go all the way forward to Jesus in Luke chapter 4 where he's taken by the Spirit out into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And the devil begins to tout his authority, doesn't he? Remember at one point he said, all of these kingdoms I will give you if you'll bow down and worship me. Jesus did not refute that the devil had all the kingdoms of the world. He knew that that was true because man had given it to him. So it was just a temptation for Jesus which he didn't do because he knew just a few days down the road he was about to get it all back. And this last Adam then, who went down into hell itself by virtue of our sin, now, keep him for a moment, showed up there in his domain and said, I'll take those. And the devil had to hand those keys over to him. Hand them over, devil. So then Jesus rose from the dead, 
with victory and triumph, with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Hallelujah. And then he said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. And now, church of the living God, I give you the keys again. Because I go now to my Father, and it's your job to be me here as I am there. Hallelujah. So you understand that this is what you have been given today. Full acceptance from Him. Full pardon. Full forgiveness. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Bought back. Adam was bought back at that moment. Hallelujah. Thank you, gentlemen. God bless you. Let's give these guys a big hand. So, this is what we have obtained now in Christ. Now, I have to, which he may, let's, verse 8, I'm almost done. Can you handle just a little bit more? Okay, verse 8, which he made to abound toward all us in wisdom, uh, toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, I love that, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in Him. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance. My goodness. Being predestined to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. The sixth benefit here is that of a life in Christ is that we have now an inheritance. Okay, what does that inheritance look like? You get what Jesus gets. The Bible says that we are co-heirs with Christ. Whatever Jesus gets, you get. Now, is Jesus sick? Is Jesus sad? Is Jesus depressed? Does Jesus have a bad attitude? Is Jesus broke? Is he in lack? Is Jesus hungry? Is Jesus lost? So you get what Jesus gets. I said you get what Jesus gets. That's what your inheritance is. That's, that's a lot. And it's going to take a lifetime for you to wrap your mind around that. And you never really will wrap your mind around it. You never really will. But you get what he gets. What has Jesus got? Well, let's say it, let me say it like this. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. We'll finish with this verse. Romans 8, 32. I want you all to see this. Matter of fact, I want us all, why don't we just all stand right now? Let's just stand right now. Now, look at this. I want you all to read this nice and loud. Ready? Read. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That's your inheritance. What, what did I get, God? All things. What does that mean? Look it up in the book. It's all there. You get all things. 
That is, all things that Jesus gives, all good things. Matter of fact, James said it like this, don't err, my beloved brethren. Don't make a mistake here. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning, which means he's going to be good today and he's going to be good tomorrow. He's never going to change that, and he's going to continue to bring good things into your life. Amen. This is your inheritance that you have, and you get your inheritance when the one who has written the will passes away, don't you? That's when the inheritance comes in full force, but praise God. God gave us his will. He wrote out his will, and then Jesus went and died. And the moment Jesus died, hallelujah, all that God had waiting for you came right into your life. And so when we come to church, when we come to the house of God, we open up this will and we remember and we find and we see what has been given to us, what our inheritance is. Do you see how good it is to be in church? Because tonight you got to find out some things that have been given to you, what you have inherited in Christ Jesus, which gives you, ought to give you all the boldness and the strength and the courage to use the authority that God has given you. Next week, we're going to talk about all the authority that you have over the power of the enemy. I'm telling you what, the devil is so defeated. By the next, by next week, you, you won't even think one minute that he has any power over your life. You won't even want to give him one second because he's so, he's such a wimp. And you are so strong in God. Amen? Let's lift our hands to heaven. God, I thank you right now. Oh, we thank you. Why don't you just bless him right now? Why don't you thank him right now for what he's given you? Thank you that he's forgiven you. Thank you that he's redeemed you. Thank you that he's made you holy and blameless. Thank you that you thank him that you have an inheritance. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank him that grace and peace are multiplied to you tonight. Thank him, hallelujah, for for uh for uh, uh, that, that all things have become new in Christ Jesus. Uh, everything that God has is yours because Jesus did everything that, need, that was needed for you to have it. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for that. Thank you that all these good things are coming into our life, God. Thank you, Lord, that you, you spare nothing good for us, God. You love us. Lord, may we take that. May we take our rightful position as your children, as your sons and your daughters in this earth. May we take our rightful place, Lord, and live our lives from that place and never waver, never get dissuaded or persuaded by this world, the flesh, or the devil. But, Father God, I thank you for our people who are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, that they, that they know their God, they're strong, and they do exploits in the earth. Thank you, Father God, for signs and wonders and miracles following these people who stand confidently in their position in Christ, who are truly seated in heavenly places with Christ. I thank you, Lord, that the, that the power of the enemy is null and void in their lives. The power of sin is broken over their lives, and I thank you that grace floods their lives in Jesus' name and empowers them and teaches them, Lord, to live the God kind of life. Lord, as they walk by faith, I thank you that, that they see new realities, God, that they're able to call those things that be not as though they are, that they'll take their place and they'll make their declaration, God, and they'll settle at nothing less than the best that God has for them in the name of Jesus. I thank you right now that you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all their ways. I declare no evil shall befall them. No plague shall come near their dwelling. All of their children shall be taught of the Lord. Great shall be their peace. Peace in their homes. Peace in their minds. Peace in their bodies. Peace in their jobs. Peace in their cars. Peace in every area of their lives. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. We thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus for what you have purchased for us. And, Lord, we're out to receive everything that you have for us so that we can properly be the people that you've called us to be in this earth. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. And all God's people said,
Amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday. Once again, thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. We invite you to check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com for upcoming events and information about us. God bless you.